joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. We hope that you will join us in person this Sunday at 9.30 for Sunday school and 10.35 for the service. We promise you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please go to gpindy.net. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Sing together now. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Walking daily by the Savior's side, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as John, would you ask the blessing on the offering, please? Let's bow. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this day you've given us. Lord, we just need to be rejoiceful and be glad in it. Lord, we do thank you for the blessings that you've given us. And Lord, uh, this is our opportunity to give part of those blessings back to you. For your honor, your glory, and for your work here on this life's journey that we're on. So, Lord, uh, be with the people, and we thank you for your loving kindness. Lord, uh, it's all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As the point of weary, your burden weighing heavy, is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Shame's done all it's stealing Are you desperate for some healing? Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can't say Let me tell you about my Jesus His love is strong and His grace is free And the good news is do for you what he's done for me let me tell you about my jesus and let my jesus change your life hallelujah 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 amen amen you can wipe away the tears from broken dreams and wasted years Till the past to disappear oh, Let me tell you about my Jesus And all the wrong turns that you would Go and undo if you could Who can work it all for your good Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes a way where 
my guilty who would care that much about me let me tell you about my Jesus oh he makes a way where there ain't no way rises up from an empty grave ain't no center that he can't say let me tell you about my Jesus his love is strong and his grace is free and the good news is for you what he's done for me let me tell you about my jesus and let my jesus change your life hallelujah 
were then held captive by our sins. The law of God demanded a sacrifice, restoring to himself his own again. So the land God's only son was freely offered. Atonement for our sin forever made. He innocent and holy, still God. And God only could ransom and redeem us back again. They carried him with all our guilt and all our sin. The Lamb of God was slain for our transgressions. And on the cross, those nail-pierced hands reached out to God and down to man. And just as if I'd never sinned, he took me in his arms. Embracing me, he willingly forgets. Oh, mercy, grace, and love that knows no bounds. Though guilty and condemned, I'm now and free. Forever I'm forgiven, for Christ the Lord has risen, and risen with Him we shall one day be. Oh,
for all he's done. Amen.
The room grew still as she made her way to Jesus. She stumbles through the tears that made her blind. She felt such pain. Some spoke in anger, heard folks whisper, there's no room here for your kind. Still on she came through the shame that flushed her face Until at last she knelt before his feet And though she spoke no words, everything she said was heard As she poured her love for the master from her box of alabaster I've come to pour my praise on him Like oil from Mary's alabaster box So don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears And I dry them with my hands weren't there the night he found me you did not feel what I felt when he wrapped his loving arms around me and you don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster I can't forget the way life used to be I was a prisoner to the sin that had me bound And I spent my days, poured my life without measure Into a little treasure box I thought I found until the day that my Jesus came to me and he healed my soul with the wonder of his touch. So now I'm giving back to him all the praise he's worthy of. I've been forgiven and that's why I, I love him so. on him like oil from Mary's alabaster box so don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and I dry them with my hair my hair Oh, no. no.
don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster. Rachel, appreciate that. First Timothy chapter 2, and the first part of that verse there says, who will have all men to be saved. Now we know God desires to see people saved. We know how to be saved. We're here at the church. We believe that uh, you acknowledge you're a sinner, and you acknowledge you can't save yourself, but you heard the old, old story, how God loved you so much that his son, Jesus Christ, came to this world born of a virgin, lived a sinless life on an old rugged cross. There he died and shed his blood for all of our sins, and he was buried to prove that he had indeed died, and three days later he rose from the grave victoriously. That's called the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. And that's the only way anybody can be saved today. It's nothing else. It's not church membership. It's not giving your money. It's not living by the commandments. It's not this or that. It's only, and it is narrow, <laughs> because it's only through faith in the finished work of Christ can one be saved today. Now, God desires people to be saved. So if you're here this morning, you're not saved. God wants to save you, okay? If you will believe. Now, not just the head knowledge where I'm agreeing with certain facts, but I allow it to penetrate not just my mind, but down in my being, my heart. That's where I make my decision. It's not just believing about these facts, but I believe it's for me. He died for me. He was buried for me. He rose from the grave for me, and I believe that's enough to save me, and you believe, and when you believe, at that moment, bam, God saves you for all eternity. Whoo, what a story, amen, and it's true. The next part of that verse says this, 1 Timothy 2, 4, it states, and come to the knowledge of the truth. God tells us now that you're saved, what I want you to do, I want you to study, I want you to learn, I want you to know the truth now. And there are too many Christians, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Now, you know, I just kind of glide through a little bit. No, God says, I want you to start digging. I want you to get into the book, the word of God, and I want you to know why you believe what you believe. And not just what you believe, but what I tell you is the truth. That's what you're to believe. And so he wants us to grow. Colossians 2.10 says this, that you might walk worthy of the Lord with all pleasure and so on and increase in knowledge and so on. It goes on to state, and we are complete in him. I'm glad I'm complete in Jesus Christ. Now, after I get saved, it's my responsibility now to find out and learn my completeness in Jesus Christ. And the only way you could ever find that out is by searching and studying and being a student of the Word of God. 
That's the only thing, the only way you can do that. Now, God's telling us that we have all we need in Christ and his word. But there's just too many people, they're not just satisfied with Christ. They want to look outside of Christ to try to have some type of experience, a feeling, or a high in order to confirm their faith as being real. And that's why a lot of people, instead of giving, getting their assurance from the Word of God, they get it, try to find it from outside sources, okay? And uh, to give credibility to their faith. And that's why they're looking for signs and wonders, the supernatural, to prove that their faith is real. All you have to do is read the Bible and know that it's real if you're a saved person. Amen? I, I remember uh, some people, <clears throat> they flocked to these things. I remember when the statue, I'm sure you've seen it before, it was bleeding. And boy, the people flocked there when they heard there was blood coming down from the side of Jesus or from the eyes of Mary. And they would flood there, I mean, just thousands of people. Or when they said that Mary has made an appearance, the people just go there and go there and go there. And you ask yourself, why is that? And the bottom line is this here. It's easier to see or experience something than having to study, to dig, and to learn from the Word of God. They want a fast thing, let me see it, then that will confirm my faith, rather than digging and saying, I have faith. Uh, it's easier to do it that way, but the problem is that's a false way. And that's not the true way. And that's where we have to be really, really careful, isn't it? It's the word of God that gives us our anchor for our faith. Today we have, because of advertising, technology, we have fast, quick information. We have a picture situation. How many commercials do they show between the next scene? It's unbelievable. And even while you're watching it, on TV, there comes up their pop-up ads, don't they? You do that, you go to your Facebook, advertisement, advertisement. You go to your phone, advertisement, advertisement. And on and on. And so we just get little snapshots, little pictures, and that's the way we begin to think. And what they're doing to us, they're taking away our ability to truly think something through, to evaluate or to rationalize what is truth and what is false. And so as a result of all this, what we do, we allow churches, we allow denominations, uh, we allow culture, we're allowing our government today to tell us what is right and what is wrong. Huh? And the least person you all trust is your government right now. I just thought I'd say that. That's from my conviction. They don't know what's right or wrong. They don't know how to fix anything. We can tell them how to fix it it's through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's finished work. It's not deep, but they don't want to hear about God. They don't want to hear about the true fix <laughs> whatsoever. But 
You know, the Bible says we are not to walk in the counsel, counsel of the ungodly. We are to walk in the counsel of what God's word says. People today, you go to, if you're in a ministry, you go to conferences and they promote some rev dot experience high, relevant, they call it, motivating promises for you as a believer to fulfill your potential. Yet again, there's very little of the word of God and interpreting that word in what it actually means. That is fading away fast in our Christianity and our culture today. So what they do, quick fixes. They promote signs and wonders and the miraculous. And that fits Christianity today because Christianity today has a lack of Bible knowledge. Hello? We have a lack of Bible knowledge. We can't explain to somebody what we believe from the Word of God. We just explain what we hear, and that's about it. It's hard for us just to open up the Bible and say, this is what I believe. And that's what God wants us to do. Hebrews 5, verse 12. For when the time you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a what? A babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It's only after you get in the word, you can get, begin to eat the meat of the word of God that you become strong, where then you have the ability to discern what is right, what is wrong, according to what the word of God has to say to us. Amen? Now, they say, let's see a miracle. And that way, that will establish my faith and give God credibility. If God would perform a miracle, they say, many would believe and a revival would break out. Let me say something about that. That's biblically untrue. Amen? As a matter of fact, today, if you believe you are, Christ is coming soon, there has to come a falling away first. There's going to be a great deception. There's going to be a great falling away from the faith from the truth, and I think that we're seeing that today. Now think, Israel with Moses saw and experienced the miraculous, unbelievable, what the Israelites experienced. And not just them. Think of the Egyptians that were experiencing all the judgments of God. They saw the miraculous, and Pharaoh did. Did they believe no, when the Israelites left, they said, good riddance. They didn't believe, and they saw all of that. And the Israelites, they were stupid. <laughs> Amen? I mean, they saw all these judgments. They saw the Red Sea split open and go over on dry ground. And they get into the wilderness there, and they're told to send out 12 spies. Ten spies come back and say it's impossible after seeing the impossible happen. 
Those things didn't create faith whatsoever with them. As a matter of fact, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and most of them died, didn't they? And then Jesus did many miracles. What did the crowds do? Only a few believed. At one time, he healed 10 lepers. How many returned back, excuse me, to give praise and thanks? Only one. Where's the nine? That's what he asked. They should have been back there too. I believe the only time that I've seen where a miracle really created some attendance was when Christ raised up uh, Lazarus. And at that time, a number of people came around, and when the Pharisees and the religious system of that day saw that, what did they want? To believe? No, they wanted to kill him. <laughs> That's religion. Amen? Now, here's some questions. Why do miracles, instead of causing faith, lead to unbelief? Miracles lead to unbelief. Well, in the case of a lost person, a lost person, they don't like being told they're wrong and something more powerful than they are comes along to correct them. Because when a miracle takes place, it shows God is right, they are wrong. He's the higher authority, they're not. But because of that, that makes them responsible and accountable for their life. And they don't like that. They don't want any mitching of these miraculous things or whatever it might be. Not faith, not belief whatsoever. How does miracles, how do miracles affect saved people? Well, a miracle doesn't anchor one's soul in faith. That's only mainly through the study of the Word of God. Did you hear that? It's through the Word of God, and that's it. The truth is, our faith is so needed in our lives right now because of everything that we're going through. Mostly comes from hearing and reading of the Word of God. There's something about God's Word you can't explain it, but it's alive. And there's something supernatural about it that it energizes, it enlightens, it encourages, it convicts. It does all kinds of things. That book is a jumping book. <laughs> and that's why God wants to put that inside of us. So it's where we hear and read and not necessarily seeing things. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, what? Not seen. Our faith has to be in the, what the Word of God says and not having to see something. Amen? And when you have faith, you can even believe Hebrews 11.3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. A person who studies his word and reads the word of God doesn't have any problem with creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the world. That's good enough for me. I believe God. Amen. I don't need to see it. 
I didn't need to be there. God was there. And I believe and trust what God says. Amen? Hebrews eleven six. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and what? Not by sight. That's not what God wants us to do today. I don't need to see a miracle to have faith. I have faith because of what God's word says. Amen? Am I just preaching to the choir this morning or something? If, if we cross something that you agree with, just say amen. Yeah. Hey, you know, something. Jesus said this. He warned them in Matthew 12, 38. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Isn't that something? It's time to stop seeking after signs and wonders and miracles. He praised this in John 20, verse 29. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Huh? He states this. He shows even resurrecting one from the dead doesn't bring about faith. He says in Luke chapter 16, verse 30. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one, if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And this is a rich man in hell. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, that's the word of God, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. If they don't listen to the word, that other doesn't mean anything. Amen? And then also, it's interesting. I was looking where Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, uh, he did not personally see the miracles that happened in Israel. He only heard about them. Exodus 18, 8. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the travail that had come upon them by the way and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, God, uh, the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods for in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. I just think he never saw the miracles. He heard about the miracles and his faith was enriched right there. Miracles usually are counteractive to faith. Notice Psalm 78, verse 12 and 13. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zom. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through and he made the waters to stand as a heap. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness because they believed not in God and trusted not 
in his salvation. Even though they saw the miraculous, they experienced it by crossing the Red Sea, in the wilderness being fed with manna, water out of a rock, and they still did not believe. Can you imagine all of that? Christ in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, there are 70 recorded miracles. In the book of Acts, there are 30 recorded miracles. Notice how people usually responded to miracles. Christ did a lot of miracles in his own city, Matthew eleven twenty. Now I'm going to give you a little workout right now. We're coming down the stretch. Then began he to upgrade the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. He performed the miraculous in these cities. What did they do? They didn't believe, not faith. Matthew 8, 34, after casting out demons. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. Here he had just cast out demons. This main maniac man, he's in his right mind now, fully dressed, wanting to follow and praise God. And what do they do? They're upset because he sent the demons into the pigs. I mean, if you would cast out your mother-in-law, wouldn't you be... No, I shouldn't go there. I... I'm kidding. You know what a nightmare is, don't you? Your mother-in-law has a twin. Now, notice, I'm kidding. I have a sweet mother-in-law. She's in heaven. (laughs) But it didn't create faith, did it? Christ's own disciples, Mark 6, 52, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. They saw 5,000 fed, but their faith, no. Notice John 6, 30. They said, therefore, to him, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What doest thou work? But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. States in Mark 4, 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind, said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, his disciples, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Hmm? Then Acts 2.22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain he did miracles in the midst of them what did they do they had him crucified not faith Revelation 16 10 11 and the fifth angel poured out his vial, uh, his, uh, vial upon the seat of the beast, Antichrist, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven. 
because of their pains and their sores and repenting not of their deeds. Even when God was performing a miracle that included them, they should have been on their faces crying out to God. And here they are shaking their fists, blaspheming God instead of believing. The overall impact of miracles is unbelief. Now, there are a few exceptions. I understand that. But the overwhelming evidence is no faith. Someone says, well, what about Mark 16, 17? And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. See? But who's he talking about there? Who's going to have that ability? The apostles. Not every believer, the apostles, the followers of Christ at that time. Remember, when he made that statement, the scriptures had not been written yet. In the gospels, hadn't been written yet, nor Pauline truth, but they hadn't been written yet. So they would ask, how do we know you're from God? In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. That confirmed that they were of God. But it was not for every believer. Now just follow me here. If every Jewish believer were able to perform miracles, then the signs of an apostle would be meaningless. Okay? Hebrews 2, 3 and 4. He, how shall we escape? We neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, the Gospels, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, the 12 apostles, okay? God also bearing them, the 12, witnessed both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost. See, it was to his apostles that it was saying that too. 2 Corinthians 12, 12 says this, Truly the signs of a what? An apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So in Mark 16, he's referring to the apostles. Not every believer. Remember in Acts 9 when Dorcas died, the believers didn't try to raise her up. They sent for an apostle. And Peter got there and raised her up. You see, the Jewish people, and I, now follow me, the Jewish people in Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, early Acts, were in time past in the prophetic program. Time past deals with Israel. But now, today, he's dealing with body Christ. Ages to come, he resumes his dealings with Israel. So in time past, the prophetic program there, they sought signs. Jews require a sign. But after Israel rejected Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, in Acts 7, they stoned Stephen. At the stoning of Stephen, his favoritism toward Israel, his dealings with Israel, were put on hold. And from Acts 8 through Acts 28, 
there was a gradual declining of miracles until by end of Acts 28 and then just a few after that. But it's so important you get a hold of this. 1 Timothy 5.23 Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Do you know Paul's saying that to Timothy? If they believed in miracles and wonders, why didn't he just touch him and heal him? Something had changed. Used to be Paul be in prison and an earthquake happened, he'd leave if he wanted to, right? But later on, he's in Roman prison. Why is he not delivered? Those things were fading off the scene. 2 Timothy 4.20. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum. What? Sick. What did he leave him back sick for? Why didn't he touch him? He's an apostle. What's going on there? 2 Corinthians 12.8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ. Paul's praising God that he has infirmities. Why wasn't he healed? God didn't want to heal him. Galatians 4.13. You know how that through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you. Paul had physical problems. And he's probably the greatest apostle who's ever lived. And he had problems. Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. We're going to have physical pain, physical suffering, all these things in our life until one day God calls us home. As the word of God was being completed, as the word of God was being written, the miraculous declined and eventually went off the scene when the word of God was completed. States in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, Charity never faileth, but whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For at this moment, because we don't have a full testament yet, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, and that's not Jesus Christ, that's not going to heaven, that's an object, and there's only one object that is perfect, and that's the word of God. But when that which is perfect, the completed scriptures, is come, then that which is in part, the miraculous, shall be done away. Hello? Colossians 1.25, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill to complete, to finish, to bring it to its end, the word of God. 
Amen? And amen. So, we no longer need to look outside of Christ and his word to have to have some kind of experience to give credibility or excitement to our faith. It's the word of God that with inside of us, as we put it in us, it burst open with illumination, with understanding, with assurance, with love, and all these things with inside us that creates a faith that will not be moved. Amen? Amen, that's right. Salvation, assurance, God's love, God's faithfulness, souls rightly dividing. We understand now our identity with Christ, hope of our future. All of that's within the word of God. And if that does not create faith, you can't have faith. You're having faith in something that's not real. Amen. And I close with a few of these verses. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's where faith comes from. Uh, Galatians 3, 2. This only would I learn of you, receive you the spirit of works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Ephesians 1, 13. In whom you also trusted. How, when did you trust him, believe in him? After that you heard the word of truth the gospel. See, that's where faith comes from. 2 Timothy 3.15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, the word, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Thank God for his word for us today. Titus 1.9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine, sound teaching, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So it's my responsibility not to seek signs and wonders because we have the completion of the word of God. Amen? We don't need anything else. Just get into the book, study it, trust it, learn it, follow it, and your faith can be exciting because you know what you have when you open it up. Amen? And I close the third time. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, mature, truly furnished, and to, all, and to all good works. The word of God is capable of enough, enough for every area of your, your life. Every area of your life. That's why he says in Ephesians 4, 
13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, we become more like Jesus, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. Speaking the truth in love, what? May grow up. It's time for us believers to grow up, to know why you believe what you believe. You know, you come Sunday after Sunday, and there's the preacher, and he's speaking. You say, I just don't understand. When's the last time you blew the dust off your Bible and got in it and dug and tried to study it? And then ask questions and let us help you. But you have to make a decision. I'm going to get into the book. And I'm going to allow it to speak to me and create faith in me so that when I have a crisis, I won't fall apart. I'll believe in God. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. I thank you the fact that you died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. I'm thankful for the day that became real in my heart and my life at the age of 24. But also, Lord, I'm grateful for your word. It seems like it's real easy just kind of put it aside, not read it and study it. But, Lord, that's the secret. That's the secret to our learning that creates our faith that creates the excitement within our soul. And I pray that this message somewhere, somehow, touches each and every person that we need to do better getting in your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.